Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 118 and .99 for October the 4th, 2013. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and today I'm going to be interviewing Vanya Schweitzer from Sophos Labs, Croatia. And uh, he presented a paper here at Virus Bulletin in Berlin this week on classifying potentially unwanted applications in the mobile environment. And I thought it was a, a very interesting topic because as an Android user, I, I personally run into lots of suspicious permission requests from free applications and, and this type of thing myself. And I guess Vanya is going to give us a little bit of uh, insight into the challenges as a malware researcher of trying to define what exactly is malicious and what kind of things may you want on your device or not want on your device, even though they may not be technically malicious. Uh, maybe can you can you kind of define what that process looks for looks like for us, Vanya? Yeah, I think it's it's still a relatively early age of the mobile malware and the, the age of uh, sort of mobile application analysis. So at the beginning, when we started classifying mobile applications, we kind of had a two distinct categories. One was clean applications and the, the other one was malware. But then slowly we realized that some of the applications that we classified as malware are actually not malicious per se, but they are including some of the additional components such as advertising frameworks, which may act as a privacy um, sort of a risk, uh, but they're not inherently malicious. So what we tried to do is in this paper to, to make these clear distinctions of which criteria we want to use when we are kind of making a decision whether something is malicious or not and to introduce the category of potentially unwanted applications, which is already well known in a desktop world. Potentially unwanted application is an application which for some people may be useful. For example, a security tool such as, I don't know, PS tools or Metasploit framework may be useful for penetration testers. And in fact, it may be the right tool for them to use. But for administrators to find it on the end user computer, it's certainly not something uh, that's uh, wanted or, or, or it's likely unwanted. So we want to alert them on the presence of those frameworks as well. Right. And, and there are a lot of these things popping up in the mobile environment. I know uh, early on with the iPhone, I remember hearing about uh, some undesirable uh, accessing of contacts by flashlight applications that turn your screen white to use your phone as a flashlight and silly things like that. But um, this seems to be a, a growing problem on the Android side in particular, right? Because there's there's quite a few different uh, activities, I suppose, that, that uh, an app may engage in that may be undesirable, especially for corporate phones, right, where you're, you're sink, sinking sensitive data to them. Uh, and the other problem, I guess, is now that companies are looking for security applications for their phones, they're, they're trying to find, you know, ratings, right? Like, how good is the Sophos Android, you know, antivirus app compared to someone else's Android antivirus app? So I guess this, this classification deciding what something is may play into that as well? Yeah, I think... Um when people make a decision which product to get <clears throat> certainly like one of the most important things is to how well your product can protect you against both malware and some other unwanted applications so what they look at these sort of reputable testing organizations such as avitest.org or avicomparatives and those testing organizations have their own internal criteria on how to choose which 
uh, applications will be part of their malicious application sets and which applications will be part of their potentially unwanted application set. And uh, there is very little transparency in that process. And what we'd like to do with this paper is to at least get together all of the stakeholders in this sort of Android security ecosystem to kind of come to the common best practice on how to choose those applications. Once we start putting these things in categories and then we say, okay, they, this is definitely potentially unwanted. It has some sort of uh, uh, an ad framework that's uh, is sending back a bunch of data or whatever that is. I guess what, what kind of categories do, do things fall in there, right? Like there's, there's clearly uh, things I wouldn't want in my business environment, but perhaps as you pointed out with hacking tools or other things, there are sometimes you know, categories where I would go, hey, at my company, I don't mind if my employees have these personal type of apps on their phones, but I'm not going to allow anything that uh, maybe accesses things like the address book because I'm very concerned about that being uh, uh, used in phishing attacks, for example. Uh, can you give us some examples of what types of categories or buckets you might put potentially unwanted apps in? Yes, I mean, uh, we already have some established categories on the sort of Windows environment, and we try to reuse some of those. Uh, typically, we would classify uh, Android or any mobile applications based either on their own functionality or based on the type of the advertising framework. So we have two large distinct groups, one's which is, again, the, the functionality group, and the other one we which we would call adware. Um, in, within the functionality group, we would have um, things such as hacking tool that we mentioned before, um, things such as um, remote monitoring tools, which are advertised as such, so not clearly ma malicious spyware, but uh, applications which you can buy on Google Play, for example, which advertise as being able to monitor somebody else's phone, usually your 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 you know, children's phone or your spouse's phone. Uh, but certainly those applications for the users of those phones would be uh, potentially, if not totally unwanted. And then on the other side of the sort of that PUA spectrum, um, we have sort of adware applications. And again, um, we would classify those um, depending on which advertising frameworks are they used. Uh, we divide advertising frameworks into sort of aggressive and non-aggressive. Within the aggressive one, we would put the advertising framework that um, access information which is outside of what is usually ex uh, expected from uh, an application. For example, also create icons on the home screen of the phone, send push notification messages to the system notification area so that the users have no idea where the advert came from and create, um, set the home, home page to the browser or create additional bookmarks in the browser, for example. So this is sounding like 1999 in Windows world all over again when you start talking about some of these ad things, right? Like the, the changing my, my home page on my browser. I mean, it's like Groundhog Day. We're, we're, we're reliving the same problem on these mobile devices. In fact, Roland our colleague from Australia, when he did his presentation yesterday, uh, was talking about the parallels in, in uh, evading uh, virus detection on Android and how it paralleled the Windows development, except at an extremely accelerated uh, pace. And so I guess that we're seeing the same things with Pua then. This is just a rehash of what we had to do with Windows, but because it's a mobile environment, we've got to sort of fine-tune those criteria and tweak them a little bit to, to make them more accurate and easy for researchers to decide the, the intents of an application. Yes, I, I think that the history is repeating. <clears throat> I think the main difference between sort of the, the Windows world and the, the mobile world, especially the Android world, is that in the Android world, uh, most of the applications are expected to be free. 
and on the other hand the developers who are developing the applications expect to earn some money from their applications so they're finding the best ways to earn money and currently the best way is to include additional advertising features um, and sort of that range from the traditional Google AdMob framework which is present in a large number of applications but it, it brings relatively small returns to the developer um, to some of the more aggressive ones such as AirPush and Leadbolt um, there who are bringing better returns but as a balance on the other hand they, they are much more aggressive they they have some um, innovative features such as um, audio adverts where when you want to dial a certain number you even heard an audio advert be 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 before you dial something so you know things like that they, they're trying the best way so I think security vendors as well as, as Google for example would have quite a, a large influence into the features of um, advertising frameworks. So ultimately the result of this could be uh, sort of a, a, a negotiation I guess between the security industry and some of these advertisers where we draw some clear lines in the sand and say these types of behaviors are unacceptable to our customers, they're unacceptable to Google's customers and if you engage in those activities we are more likely than not going to block you or you know Google may be removing you from the Play Store or Amazon from their market or however that might work right and I guess that's the the, the final question I have on this is uh, in addition to security vendors you know Google has a role to play in some of this they've got their bouncer uh, that they've advertised uh, heavily as being there to filter malicious things from getting into the Play Store and they had some reaction to that this summer maybe you know what 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 impact has that had Yes, the, the Google has a Google developers content policy, which actually states what kind of content is acceptable in every application. And that content has been changing over the last few years. And just recently, like a little bit more than a month ago, they included uh, an additional section in the policy, which basically states pretty much the same what we state in our paper. And that's that some of the behavior, such as setting the sort of home screen icon without asking the user and uh, changing the uh, home page of the browser is, is definitely unacceptable as well as uh, pushing the adverts in the system notification area of the operating system um, i think that's very welcome step um, it should be welcome from the security industry as well and i think it's going to be sort of an iterative process where slowly we will come together to sort of the common criteria sort of best practices we we want uh, which would be acceptable for all of the players in this sort of ecosystem and i'm and, and in particular android i think has more challenges with this because there are plenty of legitimate things that perhaps apple might just flat out refuse to carry in their store where they say you know uh, anything that's uh, pornographic for example you're not going to get into apple store where that's a, i think another application of this pua idea right for some people if they want porn on their phone that's their decision. They may want to do that. But if I issue you a nice new Samsung Galaxy S4 from the company, I'm probably going to tell you that you can't load pornographic applications on your phone. So I think no matter what Google does, there will always be room for this gray area to be managed and have policies around it, just like we expect to have security policies around everything we do with our PCs and in a, in a business environment. And at home, um, you know, give people the freedom to use the devices the way they want, but at least help them with awareness about privacy concerns or, or things that may be um, a little too aggressive for their liking. So uh, thank you very much for uh, doing this podcast with me, Vanya.
Thank you, Chet. It was a pleasure. That concludes Software Security Chat Chat 118.99. Uh, as always, for all the latest security news, visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. For our podcasts, you can get those at podcasts.sophos.com or via RSS and on iTunes. Until next time, stay secure. <laughs>